And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Hope everyone is doing well. It is freezing here in the DMV. I woke up and my phone said it was 25 degrees. Clearly, I didn't feel like getting out of bed or doing anything at that point. But I did because Jay Gruden and I had a chance to talk as we do on Wednesday morning. So I just wrapped up with Jay, got his view on this rematch. Commanders-Giants, huge game, obviously, for both teams this weekend. What's it like to coach against a team that you're facing for a second time? How does Washington slow down running quarterbacks that they've had issues with the last couple of weeks? Um, and also, got some some random questions. I asked him if there was an expansion draft and you can only keep three of these uh, players on this team, who would you keep? And I did ask uh, Jay about the Oversight Committee report. The report came out last Thursday, the day after Jay and I spoke. He was mentioned in that story uh, or in the uh, testimony by Dan Snyder. So I got his view on that as well. So we'll get to that in a moment here on the Standing Room Only podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, the Athletic app, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, if you go to the Athletic app, it's an ad-free listen there. And of course, make sure you subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, if you subscribe to the Athletic, you get all of it. And I have a new story out today that I referenced a little bit with Jay about Ron Rivera talked on Tuesday, uh, gave us a bunch of injury updates, which I'll go through here in a second. But also for me, I just think it's an interesting thought of, and this sort of relates obviously to the quarterbacks, is how do you play, if you're Ron Rivera, the idea of we got to win this game. We got to make the playoffs above and beyond. But if you get to the playoffs, are you putting yourself in the good enough position to beat the better teams, right? Because those are the teams that are in the playoffs. How do you do that? I, I think to me that's a pretty interesting debate, and that's kind of what I wrote about today, so you can check that out on The Athletic. Um before we get to Jay, so and just a couple of quick notes. So practice will be at, will be in just a couple of hours. So we'll learn more today about who is available and who is uh, who who's not practicing. Uh, Rivera gave us a laundry list of injury updates, some of which were surprising, some of which were were vague. Uh, Jamin Davis had a procedure on his thumb. We say procedure. I guess he had some surgery. Uh, Rivera didn't go into detail about that. Maybe we can get that from Jamin Davis today. Uh, he said Rivera said J Jamin Davis should be fine, that this was an injury he's been, or an issue he's been dealing with for some time. So the bye week worked out perfectly for that. But nonetheless, something to keep an eye on. It's, it, it, you know, it's ironic on some level with Cole Holcomb out and Jamin Davis having played better this year. You know, he's become a borderline indispensable player at this point considering they just don't have um, 
any linebacker depth that we that you know that we we all know that so or you know nothing that you feel particularly strong about so that was why I was initially like oh what's going on here but Rivera saying it shouldn't be a big deal so we'll see if Jamie Davis is in fact back on the practice field this week um, Montez Sweat and James Smith Williams Rivera said are still in the concussion protocol program I, I don't know what to make of that from the standpoint of they had the week off. So I don't know if it's just sort of like there's, you know, it's not really until this week that they were back out in the field. So I don't know if it's something where they just weren't cleared because they weren't cleared or they truly are still dealing with some things. Rivera didn't sound particularly worried about that and uh, suggested they could be back on the field today or Thursday. So we will see about that. Uh, obviously, there's some potential irony, I guess, if this is the week that Chase Young is available uh, to 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 play because you know we look back on it Washington kind of has gotten you know injuries happen as we know they've happened you, know, you look at all the positions on this team the injuries are, or, or 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 something has, has struck pretty much every position but the defensive ends have held up Chase Young James Smith Williams Casey Tuhill F A Obata and they had you know didn't have a ton of margin of error there because of the Chase Young injury so hopefully these guys are okay but it's sort of ironic like I said that. Maybe they would be out as Chase Young comes back. Uh, Rivera remains somewhat neutral, I guess, on Chase Young. He, you know, he tried to sound a bit more optimistic. Said he had a good conversation with Chase Young on Tuesday. That 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 Young's put in some good work the last uh, few days. So again, it sounds hopeful to play, and that'd be great if he if he is. But at this point, you know, it's we've had this guessing game going on for weeks now. And, uh, you know, I, I talked about this on the last podcast how uh, that I did with uh, Nikki Javala, how the, you know, the national media has kind of botched this thing six ways till Sunday. And uh, we'll see. So I'm not going to guess anything. But look, if you know, hopefully Chase Young is available. We'll find out later in the week. Um, we've also got to pay attention to the offensive line. Trey Turner missed the last game with a knee and ankle issues. Then Sam Cosme, who had started a right guard, he exited with an ankle injury. Um, Rivera sounded slightly more, I guess, optimistic about Trey Turner than he did Sam Cosme, but that's not to say Cosme won't be available. We'll find out again today if he's out there on the field. I, I guess what's interesting for me about this one, and this is a little bit of what I wrote, is as you're going down the stretch here, the idea of putting Cosme out on the field was in part because they didn't have Trey Turner, but also put your best five out there. And you've heard me argue for a while that that best five would probably be with Cosme and Lucas. But it's one thing to say, to say that in the sort of the hypothetical. It's another thing to say that in the reality. And that we're, we're here in the stretch drive, and Washington's going to be facing teams with some really good defensive uh, tackles or pass rush uh, pass rushers down the stretch here. And then if you get to the postseason, that's really the case. Uh, Philadelphia, Minnesota, uh, Dallas, San Francisco, like these teams have – good interior player. So uh, that'll be an interesting call for Rivera. I would imagine he stays with Cosme, but you know, like I said, there's, there's, you know, learning on the fly to an extent and we'll see how much they want to do that. Um, As for uh, speaking of the offensive line, a lot of you have been asking me, no, I I don't know yet if it's going to be Wes Schweitzer or Nick Martin. I would think Wes Schweitzer, but again, um, we'll see that we'll, we'll, we'll clearly get a view of that today at practice. 
who's lining up with the ones during whatever drills we see uh, during the uh, open portion of practice. Lastly, Benjamin St. Just. Obviously, there's concern there. He's missed the last two games with his mid to high ankle sprain. It's now three weeks. If it was just a flat out high ankle sprain, we probably would say he's out at least another week or two. The fact that they couched it as a mid to high, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that. If he's not out there today, I guess I would start being a little nervous about his availability. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but facing Daniel Jones and a Marcus Mariota is a pretty good spot to be out, you know, one of your starting cornerbacks. Uh, at the same time, the Giants had some plays down the field, and clearly, you know, they're going to take a longer look to see what they can do to take advantage of uh, Danny Johnson or Christian Holmes if they're the ones out there. So uh, the, the, the St. Juice and Cosme, I didn't get the warm fuzzies from Rivera on their availability, but again, it's it's uh, he talked on Tuesday. The game is Sunday night. We will see how that goes. Uh, Rivera also mentioned Antonio Gibson still getting some treatment on his foot, but seeing as how he played basically half the snaps last game, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that unless there was some aggravation, which at the moment I don't have any sense that that's the case. So there you go. That's the gist for the injury stuff. Again, we'll be back. Uh, you know, we'll be out there today to get a better look and I will have another podcast this week. So I will give you some more updates as we get closer to what is obviously a massive game on Sunday. Uh, you know, the odds for either team of making the playoffs shoot up significantly with a win go the other way, obviously, with a loss. You you would own the head-to-head tiebreaker and, of course, jump the other team in the standings with only three games to go at that point. So, huge game, needless to say, and we'll get a better feel for that uh, this week. I'm going to talk to one of our Giants beat reporters uh, later this week, so we'll, we'll get the inside scoop on what's happening with New York. Um, all right, let's get to it. Always an interesting conversation with Jay Gruden. We bounced around all over the place talking about Commander's Giants, asked him about the Oversight Committee report, uh, who do you keep in an expansion draft. I got a little bit also about the NFL quarterbacks. Fun stuff. Let's get to it right now here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, it is our chance midweek, as we do every week here on the podcast, to talk to former Washington coach Jay Gruden. And uh, Jay, appreciate the time. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know, it gets by week. We don't really have anything to discuss off of what just happened. So we'll just start with this. How was uh, your bye week, so to speak? That was good. Everything's the same here. Just playing golf and uh, having some fun, enjoying life in Florida. So nothing has changed for me. Are you like when you're going out there? Is your goal to play golf? Is it literally just relaxation? Or are you going like, okay, today or this week, I'm working on my short game. I got to figure out how to get, you know, my, uh, you yeah. know, my nine irons in. Like, do you, are you like that focused the way you were like the coaching? Yeah, pretty much. Depends on what TikTok I see. You know, I, I watch golf TikToks with Phil Mickelson and uh, Lee Trevino and, Roy McIlroy and Tiger Woods, and I get these certain lessons, uh, whether it's short game or stuff, and I try to take it on the range. You know, usually I forget about it by number two, and I'm back to my old crappy self, but it's fun to try new stuff. Well, what's like the goal today? You're going out after we talk, so what's like the Well, for the course today? record today. You know, I always start with the course record, and then when you realize you can't get that by hole number two, then uh, you try another goal. You just try to par out or try to make a birdie, uh, focus on your putting, whatever. But every shot, that's why golf is so great, because every shot's so different. You can't just focus on one area because there's so many different shots, whether it's uh, your long game, your long irons, your short irons, your putting, your chipping, your you know, bump and runs, whatever it might be, your flop shots. There's so many different shots. That's why it's so challenging and fun. I Whenever I watch, you know, uh, the professionals play, and you're right, like they'll be in some completely ra- – it's one thing to sort of say you're, you're in the pine straw behind a tree, but it could be – 110 yards it could be 230 yards and, and like how, how do you know what to do i mean i know this is what they do but you know what i mean like it's like it, they couldn't have been in that spot before but yet somehow they have to have you know figured out enough yeah. to know what to do it's hard to practice every shot that's why you know when you watch these guys on tour uh you realize how special they are and how gifted they are and how hard it is to become where where, where they are we have a couple you know we have a young kid here who's four, just turned 14 who's uh who beat 
Charlie Woods by like 12 shots in the tournament. He's like the number one kid. And just to watch him up here practice and how much time he spends up here on the range and practicing and playing, uh, you can tell special players um, and he's going to be one of them. I mean, it's just fun to watch him. Wow. All right. Well, good, 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 good stuff there. All right. Let's get to uh, what you are. Uh, what you spend a lot of hours at perfecting and crafting and that's uh football talk. Uh, it's a rematch this week, as we know, which is the yep. weirdest thing. I think I saw some stat. It's like the third time since like 1950 that a team has played the same team in back-to-back games that they have played. So that's pretty weird. Um, but in general, when you're playing a team for a second time, what's the what do you do from a game planning perspective i mean obviously if you got blown out you're probably going to change things or whatever but like how much do you look at like to change what you do because they already saw it versus hey you know what we're going to just do what we do and not worry about kind of what they're going to react to Uh, a little bit of both i think there has to be some merit in how did they try to defend um your run game what kind of front were they playing five down four down uh, were they bringing a safety nickel, whatever they were doing? So you have to make sure you combat against that. Make sure you have the ability to get to something else. If you had some problematic looks, fix those. I think the most important thing after watching the first game was protections. I think Washington has to do a better job of recognizing the fronts and adjusting their protection as needed, uh, whether it's a scat protection, where it's a five-man protection, six-man protection, uh, trying not to rely on keeping the tight end and the back end going to max protection or throwing quick screens out there. They got to do a better job on third down of, trying to protect uh, Heineke uh, with Wink Martindale's unique blitz package. That's what they can focus on this week. You, you know, you mentioned the, the the protection and obviously tight ends are a factor. One thing I think is interesting is, okay, on the one hand, you've got Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson, pretty valuable players that, that, you know, for an offense that's not very explosive, you need these guys out on the field and get touches. And, and they, they all did pretty well in the first game. However, I mean, only one tight end if you're going with the three. And while Logan Thomas is the starter, John Bates is clearly the better blocker of, of, of the two. How do you counterbalance that, the idea of, like, if you want to go two tight ends to help offset what the Giants are doing from a rush perspective, but also, but, but if you go with one, Bates or Thomas, versus the explosiveness that you get from the three receivers? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing I always dealt with when I had, uh, you know, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis – and sprinkle. We loved our three tight end set sets. Uh, we loved our two tight end sets. But when you do that, Crowder's on the bench. Uh, you know, so you're you're got to balance that. Um, you're trying to figure out what looks you're going to get. And if you line up with two tight ends, are you still going to get sub packages on defense, which will help you in the running game, uh, so to speak? It should. It takes a big out of the game and brings a little into the game. And you can run the ball, obviously. But targeting is the different issue. Is are you going to target your center? Going to go to the nickel? Is he going to go to the safety? And uh, it sometimes it becomes chaotic in that regard. I think their best personnel group and are their best players when they have whoever the tight end is, the best blocker, Bates or Logan Thomas, the one tight end with Samuel uh, McLaurin and uh, Dotson on the field at the same time. Yeah, I mean that seems like the way the way the way to go. Um, I'm going to ask you a really radical idea here. We talk so much about okay, so Taylor Heineke's going to start this week, but Carson Wentz is now back on the active roster and he is the backup. We'll see how long we stay, stay in that scenario. Is there a world, instead of just saying, well, pick this guy or that guy, is there a world where they could play them both? Because, like, Wentz is, I don't know, but got better in the red zone, perhaps, because of his size, and Heineke 
does you know with his mobility i is i don't know what he wants playing two quarterbacks but is there any sense to even thinking about that i don't think so you know i thought about that one year when we had uh, a couple quarterbacks that were you know none neither one of them was really separating himself from the other and then you say okay you got the first quarter second quarter but you know you don't want you want your quarterback to get in the rhythm you know, when I played at Louisville with Howard Schnellenberger my first couple of years, he always brought me in as a young kid in the second quarter of the game to get me two or three uh, series to get some valuable experience as a true freshman. He bring back the starter and, and, and what have you. So there's some merit to that. But I think this day and age, you got to let your quarterback roll unless he is really cold, unless he's not seeing things well, he's not throwing the ball well. Uh, he has that look in his eyes where he's not very confident. Uh, and you can kind of feel that. Then you have to make a change and go to the uh, bigger quarterback and try to get a spark. That would be the only scenario I could see where they make a change. Yeah. I mean, I, I it seems a little radical. Uh, I should say a Twitter follower, Ed O'Brien, sent me that message, asked me that. And I was like, you know what? We keep talking about this. And it, if you could, like I've said before, if you could, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, these two guys, <laughs> Heineke's uh, moxie yeah. and mobility and Wentz's size and arm strength would be pretty good. But, you know. That's when, I was in high, when I was in high school as a junior, uh, our starting quarterback was an option quarterback, and I was a passing quarterback. And on third down, I'd come run out on the field uh, <laughs> to throw the ball. So, yeah, yeah, there's that's a possibility. But I, not, I think Heineke uh, needs the job, needs the ball, because even though it's a passing situation, his ability to scramble and make plays with his legs are what has gotten Washington to where they are. You know, his ad lib plays, his off schedule plays is his strength. And, uh, uh, you don't want to change that up right now. By the way, I'm just thinking, I guess you are the uh, are you the second most famous quarterback to have played under Howard Schnellenberger with Bernie Kosar. Bernie Kosar. Oh, uh, I'm, like, I'm way down there. I'm probably about 20th. He's got Bernie, Jim Kelly, Vinny. Uh, he's got a lot of them. Brownie Nagel, Jeff Brom. Uh, he's got a lot of them. Yeah, you know, I was trying, you know, I was trying, I was trying to help the cause. Um yeah, that, that that Miami team, the the one that beat Nebraska, that was a that was a that was a fun team. Um, all right, let me ask you the other side. So one thing that the defense has obviously been very good most of the year at this point, but the last couple of games against Atlanta and the Giants, the running quarterbacks have gotten that. Both Marcus Mariota and Daniel Jones have gotten good yards. What's the challenge when you're looking at that to try to stop the running quarterback? What's the thing? that you try to accomplish and how do you think Washington can do whatever that is? Well, it depends. How are they getting their yards? Is it on the zone reads? Is it the quarterback design runs or is it just when he drops back the pass and scrambles for yards? Uh, so there's different ways to stop both of those. If it's a drop back and he's scrambling for yards, sometimes it's a third and 12 and he gets nine yards. That's no big deal. But if he's running for first downs, then you have to work on your pass rush lanes. You might have to spy the quarterback, rush one less guy and play a spy. Uh, and try to chase them around like that. Uh, but you do lose part of your pass rush, uh, which hurts you a little bit. We'll give Daniel more time, but it will limit his scramble yards. And if it's a quarterback design yards or quarterback design runs like zone reads or uh, the quarterback just pulling it and running behind pulling guards and stuff, uh, that's tough. That's real tough. You just got to work on your run fits and uh, get your safeties and corners ready to tackle. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it felt like with Mariota, it felt like it was a little more designed. With Daniel Jones, it felt it was more uh, taking what was there that they, you know, that you just one, once the play broke down and he he kind of took off. So I guess there's a little bit of difference um, in in there. Uh, is there anything um, 
I, I guess a lot of variables for this game is going to be, you know, who's going to even be available. Uh, you know, guys like Benjamin St. Juice in the secondary. Will Chase Young even play? Um, actually, speaking of Chase Young, let me ask you this. Obviously, I know you don't, you're not there, so you're not familiar exactly with what's going on. But it seems like he's been medically cleared now for a few weeks, and the issue seems to be confidence that R- Rivera has mentioned over that Chase Young has to get confidence on that knee. I can't remember if I asked you about this last time, but what's what what can you do when the doctor is telling you, hey, he should be good. He just has to believe basically to to help the guy get over whatever hump he has to get to get going. Yeah, I mean that's the combination. You got to have the doctors okay, and then you got to have the players okay, and his players' willingness to go back out there and and compete at the level he needs to compete at to be successful. You know, if he's uh, being guarded and he's protecting his knees and he's not playing with that relentless effort uh, because he's a little uh, skittish. Uh, then he's not ready in my mind. You have to see him play it with reckless abandon and play hard and playing fast because that's what made him the first pick in the draft is his ability to run around the corner, play fast, play reckless, uh, and be a factor. Uh, if he's a non-factor, if he's not playing fast, if he's not finishing plays, then he's not ready. And uh, sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer than others, and there's nothing wrong with that because I've had one of those things before, and I can remember my first time in the pocket trying to throw a pass. I was I was a little nervous, man. I feel the people around my legs, and I didn't want to get that thing hurt again. But after a while and after some time, um, I was able to step into some throws and uh, become the great Arena Football League quarterback that I became. <laughs> but, but it is scary, man. It is scary. Uh, uh, your initial uh, days, first couple of days back in pads and then full contact, it's, 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 it's scary. I always think that that's, you know, when 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 a when a player is physically hurt, we're conscious of the fact as as observers that he's dealing with the knee or he's limping or something. But the mental part, we can't see that, right? You know, a person could be appear to be just like a regular life could be appear to be in a great mood and be completely depressed or whatever it is, or in this case, be a little bit nervous. And I always think that's such a variable that we on the outside just don't fully appreciate or don't give anybody other players or even coaches. Um, yeah, I think when you have a, when you have a bruise or something like that, or uh, even a bump shoulder coming back is no big deal, but when you blow your knee out, I mean, it's different. It just, it's just different when you feel your knee just pop, pop, pop. And, and then you have no, it's, it's a different feeling when you come back, you just don't have that quite confidence that takes some time. And I think once he gets there, he'll become the player he once was, it'll just take some time. Um, you mentioned shoulder and it reminds me that. You know, you were there when 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 the team drafted Jonathan Allen and the suppose and he was supposed to be like a top five pick. He slides to you guys to seventeen because the the the, the belief was that there were medical reports concerned with his shoulders that he would have a shorter career basically because of whatever medical staff was viewing. Obviously, you guys decided wasn't uh, enough of a concern to pass took him and obviously he's been really good do you, do you recall what what the deal was yeah. with that i don't recall the exact deal but i know that we there was a red dot on his name by a lot of teams and i think that's the only reason i know that's the reason why he felt us because there's no way he would have fallen unless there was a medical concern um and there was a medical concern with his shoulder and uh it, it's funny how those those concerns work in the draft some teams have red dots and some teams ignore them and draft them it, it just depends on the doctor you see them at the combine, you, you talk to their doctor, but then you bring them into your building and you get them checked out by your own doctor and your own trainers. And, and every doctor and every trainer on every organization have different views, so to speak. Some of them are similar, but 
sometimes you get different views. And fortunately for us, uh, our trainer, Larry Hess, and our, our team doctor said um, he can sustain that shoulder and have a pretty good career, which he has. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, Montez Sweat was another one who, you know, his concern was, was something with to do with his heart that dropped him from being a potential top 10 pick down to 26 when you guys traded back. So it's kind of odd that two guys on the defensive line that obviously is the huge key to this team both fell because the of more, the more you dig on these guys, the more you can find something. Sometimes the less you know, the better, because you just want the player, the kid, you know, Jonathan's a great kid and great player. I mean, I mean, let's just, let's just take them, you know, <laughs> forget it, forget these damn doctors. And uh, so it's, it's just hard uh, in the draft process. There's so many variables off the field, medical, uh, what kind of fit will he be? You know, let's just, let's take the best player and the best kid. And luckily we got him. Yeah. We, uh, so I, I mentioned to you, that I was going to ask you a sort of a, a, a silly question here, but I love um, this type of question. Let's just say hypothetically, there's an, the NFL is announcing they're going to expand. They'll put one team in St. Louis and I don't know, one team in London or Portland or something. Uh, and each NFL team can only protect a certain amount of players. This is how these things work uh, in, in anyway. But just for fun, we'll say you can only protect three. Looking at the looking at looking at this roster, what three guys would you? Would you protect? We don't have to worry too much about contracts, meaning if a guy's about to be a free agent, we can sort of ignore that aspect of it or whatever. But for you, like, because there's, you know, there's obviously some interesting talent. Um, if if three is too limiting and you want to talk me up into a bigger number, let me know. But uh, who, who would be like three guys that you would say, I got to keep this guy no matter what? Yeah, well, I went through expansion drafts when I was in the arena league. And those are actually kind of fun. Uh, typically, you get to protect about 20 of your 25, 28 guys. <laughs> right. Eight not three of your 53, uh, but at three would be, you got to protect Terry, scary Terry. You got to protect one of your defensive linemen, either uh Payne or Allen. I would probably take, uh, I don't, you can twist my arm either way. That'd be a discussion. Then you got to take either sweat or chase young. In my opinion, those are your three best, most, uh, game changing type players in my mind. You got a speed receiver that changes the course of the game. You got a defensive lineman, one of those two defensive linemen and, and one of those pass rushers. And then, uh, you know, because I don't think any offensive lineman is worth protecting, really. Uh, running back, you can argue about Brian. Uh, quarterback, obviously not. Uh, secondary, I don't think you have a true lockdown corner. Safeties, you can get safeties anywhere. So, yeah, I'd probably do those three. Well, but you got to pick Allen or Payne. Uh, well, I'd probably take, since I'm going to probably get uh, Chase, a healthy Chase Young or Sweat, I'd probably take uh, probably take pain. Really, Actually, okay. It really doesn't matter to me. I, they're both they're both good, but I probably take pain just because uh, pain seems to be he's a year younger, I believe, and maybe he doesn't have the shoulder issue. <laughs> right. Well, they're yeah. both they're both great players. You can, I mean, I love them both, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I, I I love the idea of I love the expansion draft when you do have to determine like who to protect and the and the, and the sort of the the gaming that goes into that. You might take Payne and Allen and, and bag sweat and chase young. You know, that's not a bad way to go either. Right. Well, and of course that is like sort of what we're dealing with right now for that. The team was dealing with in real time in terms of, you know, Payne's contract and are they going to keep all, keep all four. And if not, who do you keep, who do you let go? Um, so they're actually sort of having to deal with this sort of debate um, right, uh, right now. Um, 
uh, let me ask you a, diff- a different question. So I wrote something today for the athletic about how it, for a team in Washington situation, how does a coach balance? You got to win the next game. You got to make the playoffs before you can even think about what you do in the playoffs while simultaneously thinking if we make the playoffs, how do we, how do we really succeed? How do we get raise the ceiling, give ourselves the best chance to win, which may be different than saying we got to beat the Giants in this sort of grinded out kind of of uh, kind of a way. Um, and to that end, a lot of it has to do with like your opponent. To look further ahead, just for fun, who do you think if they get the six or the seven seed right now would be Minnesota or San Francisco, based on how this team is playing with this grinded out style and and how they are on defense? Who do you think is the better opponent for them? that would give them an actual chance to, uh, you know, to possibly win. Wow. That's a tough one. You know, I think uh, no coach ever wants to look ahead like that. You know, you kind of want to, you kind of do it in the back of your mind, but well, you I, never I, I certainly yeah, yeah. would. I wouldn't I ask you this in a press conference because you'd yell at me. Where would you rather go? Would you rather play at Minnesota with that huge crowd? It's going to be loud as hell. Or would you rather travel cross country and play at San Francisco? Crowd's not as bad, but, cross country i'd probably rather just stay at east coast and play in minnesota um they played pretty well against minnesota they had them on the ropes they had a pick six that would have put the game away but it was called back um i think they would feel confident about unless they play san francisco next week and beat the dog tar out of them then then i might change you know what i mean so um right now before they play uh, san francisco next week i'd say san fran but if they beat uh san fran in a week i'd say uh go across i never just i never wanted to travel cross country i never wanted to go to california just it just takes a lot out of your team so i'd prefer to go to minnesota's not a short trip i get it but it's a lot closer than uh, san fran right and, and sort of what i'm also thinking is like if you stay with if you're staying with heineke which is i get it you know minnesota their secondary is pretty weak like the, you can take advantage of them but that's not heineke's strength on the flip side heineke's mobility would probably be beneficial against San Francisco's pass rush, uh, especially again with Washington's offensive line being a little bit uh, leaky. And then on the other hand, though, it's Kirk Cousins, a veteran quarterback versus a guy right now with Brock Purdy, who's, you know, started one game. He looked really good, but one game for the guy that was the last pick of the draft. And it, it feels like looking at that, I was like, boy, there's really some interesting comparison and contrast here of like which way to go. Yeah, I think they have an uh, excellent chance with whoever they have to play, but um, yeah, I think a lot will be dependent on how they do against San Fran. San Fran, you know, if they stay healthy with the majority of their other guys, I know they'll get Debo back for the playoff run, but if their offensive line stays healthy, they still got Christian McCaffrey. They got George Kittle. Um, they got Brandon Ayuk. They got Jennings. They're, they're, they're pretty damn good. They can hit you a lot of different ways. So you don't have to throw the ball 50, 60 yards to be successful uh, in a good offense. You know, throwing the ball to Kittle across the middle for 10, 12 yards or McCaffrey out of the backfield on a check wide. Um, a lot of guys can do that, and definitely uh, Purdy can do that, and he can be successful. Well, and that's kind of where Washington is at right now, right, where get the ball in the hands of their playmakers and not make Heineke have to throw the ball down the field, throw it short or underneath or whatever, and let them do the work instead of him trying to, you know, get it down there. Yeah. Exactly right. And then if you play good defense and play good special teams, you'll have a chance in every game that you play. Um, but I want to ask you another couple football questions, but let me just, uh, I meant to ask you earlier, just to circle back um, last week, the day after you and I talked is when the uh, oversight committee uh, dropped its report uh, about its findings into this organization. 
Uh, obviously, some of it included time when, when you were here. Uh, you know, look, obviously, you know, you were mentioned in there. I won't ask you about your brother because I know he's got some legal things going on. But what did you kind of make of the the report broadly, uh, both if you want to comment on the fact that you were mentioned and or just how sort of Dan Snyder, the Bruce Allen of it all? Well, I think uh, when you start trying to point fingers and blame other people, I think that's where the problem starts right there. You know, it's very similar to when you're a football coach. You go through some tough times and people start pointing at each other. You have no chance. Um, but once people start accepting blame and accepting responsibility, uh, then you have a chance to fight your way through it and, and become a better organization or a better team. And uh, it's clear that uh, they have a lot of work to do in that regard because the key players in that organization are still trying to blame other people for nonsense, uh, for pictures that came up five or six years ago in the summertime uh, and, and making it out to be something that it wasn't. So uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that this thing is still going on. I just uh, want to be through with it and um, enjoy my time and not worry about Googling myself and seeing my picture in a paper over some nonsense from six years ago. All right. Fair, fair, fair enough. I appreciate that. Um, l- l- let me broaden out the football conversation because obviously we're getting right near to the playoffs. And we're, I think we're all trying to figure out who are the contenders. I, I won't put for the Super Bowl contenders. I won't, I won't put Washington in that category unless you want to. But like obviously Kansas City is one of those teams. Buffalo is one of those teams. I kind of think Cincinnati is right there with them. I mean, they've beaten Kansas City now three times in the last calendar year. And I guess it begs the question of we talk about Mahomes and Josh Allen. Joe Burrow, is it time to make that a three-way conversation with him and those two guys? Or do you still see a gap? between Allen Mahomes and, and, uh, and Burrow. Those time last year when he went to the Super Bowl. So yes, I take Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is definitely in that class. He's in the top class in the NFL right now. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you're drafting a quarterback and you got all 32 quarterbacks available, uh, you'd have to really think long and hard about passing on Joe Burrow. Even if Mahomes and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers are on the board, uh, you, it, it's a major discussion. Um, the way he plays, the way he competes, he's got enough mobility. His accuracy is uncanny. Um, he's tough. Um, he's obviously loved by his teammates as are, you know, most of those other guys too. But, um, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I, 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 I think for sure he's up and I'd take him first or second. Yeah, I think I would take him over Josh Allen. I mean, Mahomes is kind of hard to argue against, but I I love Joe Burrow. I, I just love the way he plays. And, and there's something, you know, the whole, the mentality thing. It's like, he's got the uh, arm strength. Three times in a row he's beaten Mahomes. So be careful. Right. Right. I mean, like I, I, that, that, like I, I saw somebody the other day mention this, like, should it be discussed? I'm like, what do you mean? Should it be? It's already, I think it's already there. He's beaten Mahomes. I mean, three in a row. Like, what do you what do you want? Um, I know it's three not just row, him, but lost by a you know by a t- by a couple ticks on the clock. Yeah. So I- <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, and just lastly, so the game obviously this weekend, huge game for Washington and for the Giants. W- what's your gut tell you about what happens in this rematch, and what do you think is ultimately the key in this game? I think the key is Washington needs to figure out a way to start fast. If they can start fast and put their foot on a pedal early, then I think Giants have a chance to fold. And if they turn into the Giants into a one-dimensional passing attack, uh, it's it's a wrap. And I think it can be flipped the other way. If the Giants start fast and make Washington one-dimensional, it'll be a wrap that way. But I think there's – I mentioned this before, there's blood in the water. I think if the Washington team can attack them early, get on them early uh, – flex their muscles early then i think it should be a a pretty 
easy game. Not easy, but I think it should be a, a, a lopsided game. Um, however, if they turn the ball over and give the Giants a chance that they, they feel like at halftime that it's a close game, then it'll be a dogfight till the tail end again. But I think for Washington to pull away, they need to step on the gas early. Uh, fair enough. All right, go uh, go shoot the course record. Uh, you know, let us you know keep 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 notes so we know what you can tell us what happened next week. Course record sixty. So, uh, who shot that? I don't know. Some guy I never heard of. So I'm gonna go for it today. All right. Good <laughs> luck. Man. All right, man. Appreciate it. See ya.